Welcome to another night of Warrior Reads. As always, make sure that you've handled anything before bed, that the room is dark, and that you're in a comfortable position. Remember, as you're listening, if you get excited by a story or interested, don't worry about it. Now is not the time for your mind to be racing. Now is the time for your mind to be resting. As always, we'll have copies of the recordings available on our website, as well as even the ability to order it should you want to in the morning. Now is the time for your reward for a good day lived or a reminder to be a warrior tomorrow. I'll give you about five seconds to clear your head and then we'll begin. Welcome warriors. Tonight, our selection is from Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Tonight, we will be going through a giant of classical literature that takes place in 1800s France, at a time when the country is riddled with corruption, poverty, and violent political upheavals. Les Miserables by Victor Hugo is a story of one man who is beaten down by the greed and sorrow that plagues his people, crushed by a corrupt justice system and finds redemption and transformation through following the warrior path. It's a story about a guy that digs deep and finds the strength to cut through the injustice, hatred, and toxicity of the world and take heroic action to foster the growth of love and freedom in a world riddled with darkness. So what makes this selection so special? And why would I want to read a book that they made a musical out of? Especially a French musical might sound like a total nightmare for some people, but I promise it's actually a really great story. Les Miserables is a major critique on corruption and greed and poverty, and it doesn't hold back any punches. It paints a destitute picture of a society that's rotting from the inside. And it doesn't shy away from showing us just how bad things can really get sometimes. The author's preface gives us a clue of the setting and explains one of his aims in writing the book. So long as there shall exist by virtue of law and custom, decrees of damnation pronounced by society, artificially creating hells amid the civilizations of earth, and adding the element of human fate to divine destiny. So long as the three great problems of the century, the degradation of man through pauperism, the corruption of women through hunger, the crippling of children through lack of light, are unsolved, so long as social asphyxia is possible in any part of the world, in other words, and with a still wider significance, so long as ignorance and poverty exists on earth, books of the nature of Les Miserables cannot fail to be of use. But the story is more than just a critique on how toxic society can become. And as warriors, we're familiar with handling the tough stuff. But the story of Jean Valjean shows the infinite value of warriors who fight to create some positivity in a negatively charged world. Its message empowers warriors like you to never give up 
It inspires us to remember that we can change and grow, even when it doesn't seem possible. And even though the night is dark, and at times, misery envelops the world, the smallest act of kindness and the faintest light of a hero's torch can undo a multitude of tragedy. As always, you can read this book at any time in the future, and it's worth the read. But as you let go of the day and prepare for a journey into the abysmal setting of 1800s France, you're invited to draw inspiration from the journey of Jean Valjean for your own heroic path. In what ways have you been redeemed? How have you touched the lives of others in a transformative way? What injustice would you stand against? Let Jean Valjean's story inspire you to remember your own power, the power to change, the power to become, and the power to choose honor and goodness even when it's not easy. So relax and enjoy. It's 1815 in Paris, France. People hate the monarchy and society is getting sick of itself. Misery and corruption run rampant in the streets. And that's where we meet Jean Valjean. Valjean is a tough dude, a total beast, super strong, and at one point, he was a loving family man. But right now, he's desperate and looking for help. Having just finished his 19-year prison sentence for stealing bread to feed his family, he has no idea what to do and it appears that he has been freed into a world devoid of charitable people. He's on parole, and he's been branded as a criminal and unable to find work. And he's not happy about it, but Valjean has been hardened by the brutality he experienced in prison, and he might just have to resort to more crime to feed himself. Until one day, he meets a kind-hearted bishop named Muriel, who invites him in and gives him an opportunity. But when the police catch Valjean trying to steal Muriel's silverware, Muriel lets it slide and tells the police that he gave it to him as a gift. Valjean doesn't quite know how to handle it. And Muriel basically tells him, look man, I just saved you from going back to prison. If you keep up your nonsense, you're going to screw yourself over. Muriel tells him that he needs to stop acting out of desperation and poor character and become a better man. The kindness that he received hadn't fully penetrated his hardened heart just yet. Valjean commits one final transgressive act and steals some money from a little kid. After this, he has a total breakdown and realizes that he has to put his thieving behind him and become a better person. So that's exactly what he does. He changes his name to Monsieur Madeleine and moves to a new town where he finds success in business and eventually becomes mayor. Meanwhile, a poor woman named Fantine finds herself down and out she has no source of income and is desperate for money. 
even more so because her daughter named Cosette was conceived out of wedlock and Cosette's father left Fantine to care for her all alone. If people find out that she has a child born from an unmarried encounter, there's no way she'll find work. After all, it's still 1800s France. People have pretty serious reservations regarding social norms, and despite all the talk of revolution, it's still a pious nation. So, Fantine and Cosette meet a sketchy dude named Thenardier, who tells them that Cosette can hide with him and his family as long as Fantine sends them money every month. So, Fantine finds work at a factory, and this particular factory is owned by the mayor, Medellin. But Fantine gets fired as soon as people find out that her daughter Cosette was a bastard child. All of this happens without Monsieur Madeleine knowing. And Thenardier turns out to be twisted and greedy and demands that Fantine continue to pay him because, after all, he has her daughter and nobody's going to believe a sinning whore. She's forced to sell her hair, her teeth, and become a prostitute just to provide enough money to keep her daughter safe. And the combination of all of this is literally killing her. One night, a local lawman named Javert arrests Fantine, but Medellin steps in and tells Javert to drop the case and let her go. Medellin takes Fantine under his wing and tries to help her get better. He finds out that she worked at his factory and was fired. He feels awful about it and wants to right the wrong. And he puts her up in his house and takes care of her because she's on the verge of death. But Javert the lawn man grew suspicious about the encounter. And he did some prying into Medellin and figured out that the successful businessman and popular mayor, Medellin, is really the convict named Valjean. So he barges in and cuffs him in front of Fantine. Fantine is so scared and shocked by the ordeal that she dies on the spot. Valjean is promptly arrested and thrown in jail because Valjean broke his parole and lied and became a different person. So the real tragedy here is that Valjean's real identity was only discovered because he tried to help someone and save their life. It's that old adage that no good deed goes unpunished. But luckily, Valjean escapes prison and breaks out of jail and heads directly to the house where Fantine's daughter Cosette lives. He's on a mission to complete the act of goodness that he had started and get Cosette away from the Thenardiers, who had been abusing her for years. Valjean shows up and brings enough money to buy her off and heads out to Paris. The two grow close as he accepts his new role as a loving father and teaches Cosette how to read. And things are going all right in Paris for a little while. But Javert the lawman hears that Valjean has escaped and that he's back in town. When they realize that Javert is after him, 
they have to pack up their things and head out of town. They find a covenant where they can lay low and live peacefully. Cosette learns a lot and grows up. Years later, Cosette is 15 years old, and a man named Marius meets her and falls in love with her. But she's still 15, and even though it's not out of the norm in those days, Valjean thinks it's weird and doesn't want his cover blown. And he's not ready to give up his daughter. So they pack their bags and head out before Marius can make his move. When he realizes that they've disappeared, Marius gets a tip about where they moved, and they eventually meet up and confess their love for each other. Except Valjean is totally not cool with that. He has risked his life to help this girl and her mother, and loves her like his own daughter. Plus, there's a lot of political unrest and violence happening in the streets. The riots that ensued would soon be called the June Rebellion. Valjean doesn't want to risk his daughter getting caught up in the fray. So Valjean decides to get out of France once and for all and go to England where none of his past can catch up with him. Marius is so torn up that he doesn't get to be with Cosette that he decides that he doesn't care about anything else anymore and joins the revolution. When Valjean realizes that Marius and Cosette are in love and that it's real, he decides that he can't let the guy die in the streets and get killed. So he straps up and joins the fray in order to get him out. When the rebels find out that Javert, the lawman that was chasing Valjean, was actually a royalist snitch, they give Valjean the mission of assassinating him. But Valjean has reformed. He really has become a better person. And after catching Javert, he lets him walk away. Soon after, Marius gets really messed up in battle, and Valjean finds him and has to carry him through the sewers to escape the fray and help him out. Valjean runs into Javert while he's helping Marius and basically tells him, fine, look man, you can arrest me. Just let me drop this guy off at his house and make one last stop to say goodbye my daughter and I'm all yours. Javert agrees, but he loses his mind when he realizes that He's compromising everything that his life stood for, and so he kills himself. So Valjean is free to go. Marius heals up, and he and Cosette get married. So everything looks great, right? An awesome happy ending about a guy that really transformed himself and lived a heroic life of conviction and did great deeds and helped perpetuate goodness in the world. Though that's true, it's a big part of it, but things aren't that simple in this miserable book. Valjean tells Marius about the crimes of his past, and Marius starts giving Valjean the cold shoulder. Valjean is bummed out, of course, but he gets the hint and stops showing up to visit. Marius has no idea that Valjean saved him in the sewer because he was knocked out the whole time. 
Valjean feels as though he doesn't have anything to live for. The love of his life, his adopted daughter, is gone. And the man that he risked his life to save, just so she could marry him, hates him. So, one day he decides to get into bed, because he's depressed and defeated. And he just never leaves. Later, Marius has a conversation with Thenardier and realizes that the Thenardier family abused his wife when she was just a child. And it finally clicks that Valjean is the only reason that he's still alive. And Valjean is the only reason why he's with Cosette. And on top of it, Valjean left them a small fortune because he still had a ton of money from when he was Madeleine. Feeling like a real jerk, Marius takes Cosette to go visit Valjean and tell him that he forgives him. And Valjean is elated to see his adopted daughter happy and with a man that recognizes him for his sacrifice. And so Valjean dies in peace. Between the author's preface and the summary of the story, we can see that Victor Hugo, the author, is critiquing three big things in the book. Those who have much taking advantage of those who have not, women starving to death, and little kids growing up in a dark world without hope. To put it simply, the author is criticizing a world that's totally screwing over the people of his country. The story highlights how society can destroy people, physically, mentally, and spiritually. The poverty and shame that Fantine had to endure to raise her child. A system that throws good men like Valjean in prison and turns them into criminals. Or a family that extorts a poor woman to pay for her child to survive. And a lawman like Javert, who thought he was doing good work to protect his kingdom, but in reality was really just as bad as any gangster that he imprisoned. Valjean had this to say when he was being tried in court for taking his new identity. I thank you, Mr. District Attorney, but I am not mad. You shall see. You are on the point of committing a great error. I am fulfilling a duty. I am that miserable criminal. I am the only one here who sees the matter clearly, and I am telling you the truth. God, who is on high, looks down on what I am doing at this moment, and that suffices. You can take me, for here I am. But I have done my best. I concealed myself under another name. I have become rich. I have become a mayor. I have tried to re-enter the ranks of the honest. It seems that is not to be done. In short, there are many things which I cannot tell. I will not narrate the story of my life to you. You will hear it one of these days. I robbed Monsieur the Bishop. It is true. It is true that I robbed little Gervais. They were right in telling you that Jean Valjean was a very vicious wretch. Perhaps it was not altogether his fault. Listen, honorable judges, a man who has been so greatly humbled as I have has neither any remonstrance to make to Providence nor any advice 
to give to society. But you see, the infamy from which I have tried to escape is an injurious thing. The galleys make the convict what he is. Reflect upon that, if you please. Before going to the galleys, I was a poor peasant with very little intelligence, a sort of idiot. The galleys wrought a change in me. I was stupid. I became vicious. I was a block of wood. I became a firebrand. Later on, indulgence and kindness saved me, as severity had ruined me. But pardon me, you cannot understand what I am saying. The book describes Valjean as being a really buff guy. The dude is jacked, and he has a heart of a hero and the courage to do remarkable things. But even so, he was ground up by the corrupt justice system and left to rot in prison and become a hardened criminal. It might not be too far off from the types of things that we see today. How many people are released from prison as better people? Not everyone gets the opportunity to be transformed like Malcolm X. This message that a corrupt system can corrupt good hearts is really highlighted in this scene where Jean Valjean was mayor going by the name Madeleine. He would walk in the city and just generally do good things for folks. One day, he saw some country people busily engaged in pulling up nettles. He examined the plants, which were uprooted and already dried, and said, they are dead. Nevertheless, it would be a good thing to know how to make use of them. With the exercises of a little care, the nettle could be made useful. It is neglected and it becomes hurtful. How many men resemble the nettle? He added. After a pause, remember this, my friends. There are no such things as bad plants or bad men. There are only bad cultivators. But the story shows us that there is hope for a corrupt world. Thenardier's greed that he enacted on Colette and her mother was an opportunity for Valjean to rise above and be the hero that he wanted to be. He gave away everything to save her and brought more honor to his soul than the money that he made under his new identity. The bishop that offered grace to him snapped him out of it and showed him a new path he could take, which just shows how deep an act of kindness can cut through the thickest of corrupt forces in a backward society. The story empowers us to lift each other up and fight for redemption with kindness. Valjean and Cosette are a perfect example of this. Here's a snippet from their time at the coven. Week followed week. These two beings led a happy life in that hovel. Cosette laughed, chattered, and sang from daybreak. It sometimes happened that Jean Valjean clasped her tiny red hand, all cracked with chillablains, and kissed it. The poor child, who was used to being beaten, 
did not know the meaning of this and ran away in confusion. At times, she became serious and stared at her little black gown. Cosette was no longer in rags. She was in mourning. She had emerged from misery. She was entering into life. Jean Valjean had undertaken to teach her to read. Sometimes, as he made the child spell, he remembered that it was with the idea of doing evil that he had learned to read in prison. This idea had ended in teaching a child to read. Then the ex-convict smiled with his pensive smile of the angels. He felt it in a premonition from on high, the will of someone who was not man, and he became absorbed in reverie. Good thoughts have their abysses as well as evil ones. She called him father and knew no other name for him. He passed hours in watching her dressing and undressing her doll, and in listening to her prattle. Life, henceforth, appeared to him to be full of interest. Men seemed to him good and just. He no longer reproached anyone in ill thought. He saw no reason why he should not live to be a very old man, now that this child loved him. He saw a whole future stretching out before him, illuminated by Cosette as by a charming light. This is only a personal opinion, but to utter our whole thought as the point where Jean Valjean had arrived when he began to love Cosette is by no means clear to us that he did not need this encouragement in order that he might persevere in well-doing. He had just viewed the malice of men and the misery of society under a new aspect, incomplete aspects, which unfortunately only exhibited one side of the truth. The fate of a woman is summed up in Fantine, and public authority as personified by Javert. He had returned to prison, this time for having done right. He had quaffed fresh bitterness. Disgust and lassitude were overpowering him. Even the memory of his bishop probably suffered a temporary eclipse, though sure to reappear later on luminous and triumphant. But after all, that sacred memory was growing dim. Who knows whether Jean Valjean had not been on the eve of growing discouraged and of falling once more. He loved and grew strong again. Alas, he walked with no less indecision than Cosette. He protected her, and she strengthened him. Thanks to him, she could walk through life. Thanks to her, he could continue in virtue. He was that child's stay, and she was his prop. Oh, unfathomable and divine mystery of the balances of destiny. Even in a world that rains misery down on the people, heroes like you stand up and blaze a path of redemption. When things are bleak and misfortune comes at every turn, your courage, strength, and actions make way for goodness to thrive. And when it's your turn to meet your gods, they will see you for the warrior that you are and smile upon you and celebrate your life because it was lived so well. Valjean's journey reminds us 
that you always have the power to keep the fire that burns in your heart alive. And even when the titanic forces of crashing kingdoms and corruption trample you under their feet, that you have the strength and the courage to remember who you really are, a warrior of honor.